0: Cliffcentral.com.
1: All right, it is time for another episode of Collectomania, and we've got a special edition of Collectomania today. It's the Valentine's special edition, the month of love, the day of love. In fact, this is this is Valentine's Day. Couldn't be better. It's brought to you by the South African Gold Coin Exchange and the Scoin Shop, who you know are also on top of things when it comes to Valentine's Day, if you're thinking of buying your loved one something really special, something that will grow and appreciate and value over time, think about them. It might be the best bet for a gift. Uh, Leanne Moll, don't you think that would be a nice, uh, a nice present for someone to give you for Valentine's Day? Yeah. Uh, uh, your, your mics are mute, Leanne.
2: <laughs> oh, hearts all the way. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's meet our guest. And it's very, very cool to have Nancy Rosen on. She is the president of the National Valentine Collectors Association in the USA. Yep. The association has its own Facebook group, almost a thousand members. And her own collection has now been placed at the Huntington Library in San Marino in California. So she is a super collector. She's not just one of these people like maybe you or I who have a couple of things lying around the house. So let's welcome her yeah. to the show this morning. Yeah. Nancy, it's so great to have you Hello. on. Thank you. Thanks. How are thank you Thank
0: you for inviting me? Oh, good. And it's not just Valentine's Day. I celebrate love every day and I try to encourage people to do so. I think it should makes for a happy life. But uh, I like to share what I have and and uh I'm a crossbe I'm not a hoarder. <laughs> and I don't think it's a mental <laughs> problem. Uh, I just found a topic that I love, and I was focused on, on making, creating something that had real, um, was really solid and would elevate the Valentine, so people would understand how important they are throughout history.
1: Well, I, I love it and don't worry about being called a hoarder because we had a psychologist. We had a psychologist the other day who explained to us the difference. So I will, we'll wait. The jury's out. We'll wait until the end of the episode to decide whether or not you're a hoarder. Uh-oh. But I, I think, I think many of us are on, on one or, or the other side of a very fine line here. So uh, you, you don't have to feel bad.
0: Well, I feel like collecting is one of the most important parts of, of my life anyway. Oh, yeah. The people, the experiences, um, and now I'm leaving a legacy in the library of something that I created. So collecting has had a, a focus and it has. it's not over, but it's very solid where it's going to be. So I'm very happy about that.
1: Well, I do think you're the first of our collectors who we've spoken to who's actually had their collection put in a museum or a library. I mean, that's mm-hmm. really, that's the that's the pinnacle of success right. if you're a collector. Right. No, it's, it's tremendous. So tell us how it all started for you. Where did you begin collecting?
0: You know, going antiquing when my children were little. Their grandparents would come and stay, and my husband and I would just go off different directions. And anyway, to get out of the house, I guess. And I found the little... Victorian die cut scraps, you know, little flowers and little decorations. And I thought I would collect them so that one day uh, I would do decoupage. You know, that was the trend in the like 1970s. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I collected, I discovered that they were really decorations often used besides in scrapbooks. They were on Victorian Valentines. So I started collecting them. And then I wanted to go deeper and deeper into the history and, uh, There were only two books existing at that time. And I I just wanted to copy what one of the Frank staff, who was an English collector, had put together this incredible evolution of the Valentine. And so that was my goal every place I went to try to find the things. And sometimes, most of the time, dealers wouldn't even know what they had. But because I'd read a book, I had a little extra inside information and I could find treasures. And uh, when we do the pictures, (laughs) I'll show you like one of my treasures. So it just became a goal to, to try to find the best of every category. And so that if I did put it in a museum or library, people could come and do research and they could yeah. take any, any aspect of the collection and do a, a thesis on it because it wasn't just one example wow. or the best example, but it was a whole group. And you could see how one company, for example, would have progressed over the years. And so, uh, to me, it became a very scholarly, and I was always trying to defend the concept of the valentine to people mm. who thought that it was some ridiculous, over, <laughs> over embellished, you know, junk that mm-hmm. nobody want. Fantasy
2: wanted. thing like Christmas yeah, Thor. Yeah.
0: So we went from the very serious <laughs> through all of the historic periods, and uh, and I found a lot of of other people who you know are interested as I am, and then I must so, have mentioned. I'm sorry. I-
1: I, I'm curious about how, you know, if, if we are going to talk about the scholarly aspect for yes. just a minute, because human attitudes to love, uh, you know, the way people feel about love, the way people have, have spoken and written about love over the, the eras has changed tremendously. And I mean, if you look at, at a Valentine from, you know, the late 1800s or the early 1900s and compare it to the way that people, you know, kind of give these funny Hallmark cards to each other now or, yeah, you know, it's a rose, or it's some cute little poem, or whatever. How much has changed when you look at the at the breadth of your collection? You're probably the only person who can answer that <laughs> question, having looked at all of them. Well, what do you think, think of of human beings in love?
0: I think that love is a constant. To tell you the truth, I think it's been celebrated, you know, romantically and satirically, you know, for a long, long time. And so with the things we see now that we call anti Valentines, and some of them are. Are really gross and some of them have double entendre they existed in the early 1800s also <laughs> you know it's we i don't think people have changed that much that maybe we maybe we express it more openly but there were some pretty you know caustic things in those eras also a lot of them uh in the like the late 1800s the penny dreadfuls the comic ones a lot of them were thrown away. They were on cheap paper. People were embarrassed or hurt. They would throw them away. So in the beginning, I didn't. I wasn't really interested in them. Excuse me. And then I found that they were a real social documentary, and they were important. And now they are getting a lot of attention by a number of, of institutions and collectors. So I don't think it's uh, it's changed that much. The language of flowers, you could always had a message in a in a flower. Although I have seen one florist who advertises. Yellow roses for Valentine's Day, but they don't know that the, the real meaning is jealousy for yellow mm. roses. So oh, wow. it got a little crazy. But I think <laughs> people have always celebrated love in any way they could, from the most elegant, extravagant, expensive to uh, the, the naive handmade folk art that's maybe done on a reused paper, wallpaper, or old not- letters, be- things that were just cut out or made by candlelight. So it's just, yeah. it's the, the basic concept I don't think has changed. Um, we see it in the Valentine's reflected by war. Like, you know, when the sailors were going off and we have the sailors farewell is a huge theme because they might never come back. We have in the Civil War where those letters from home were a reminder of, of home and wanting to survive and get back. So there's a lot a lot of history and a lot of passion, you know, but I don't think love has really changed. You know, I think yeah. it's the most important you make, in me th- our
1: lives. you make me think that maybe, you know, the way we tend to stereotype people, you know, so people from Greece are like this or people from New Jersey are like this, for example. <laughs> um, we, we probably we probably stereotype periods in history because, as you rightly point out, we always think of the Victorians as being very prudish and very... um sober and and judgmental and terribly conservative but actually during that time there were some quite racy things being done nothing and- was
0: sacred really yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely
0: <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> I mean, absolutely you have you have alcoholism treated i mean i have one that shows a woman who looks like an angel and when she opens her wings she's holding a bottle of whiskey you know
2: <laughs> <laughs> she's she's my spirit animal <laughs> oh.
1: Alright, so let's, let's have a look at some of these because I can't wait to actually get into your collection. Yeah. So where should we begin? Um, here's, well, I, here's, yeah. I
0: mentioned one that, um, I found quite by accident it was among my first, uh, purchases and it's called a devotional. Do you see that one?
1: Ah, yes. Hang on. Uh, let me just find it. The devotional. I've got a super, it's I've got a, a an American. Sh- it what is it not, might be not number this? one.
0: Well, that is a sh- that's an American Sharonet, which is a paper cut from about 1825. It's not the one I was talking about, but it's one I really love, and it's got um, the Cupids, the initials in the middle. Uh, I sometimes think that the artist might have have waited and and you know put the initials or dedication in the center uh, when the order was placed, <laughs> because this would have taken it's so amazing. long to create, and a lot of the ones that we have. Some of the Pennsylvania German Frocter types were made uh, really, I think, on spec. You know, they were filled in later. And the devotional that I'm going to—it was Markness number one. Uh, it's I got it. it.
1: I got it. Here it is. The, yeah. This is the devotional. And that one
0: I love on. because it's on parchment, which is you know wow. really before paper was readily available. And it's cut out. It's dedicated to Saint Paul. And uh, oh, it's just about six inches high. And I had Uh been at a shop and I asked if they had any Valentine memorabilia, anything pertaining. And the man was very abrupt and said no. And I think we bought something else. And as I went over to his glass top desk to make the purchase, I saw this under the glass. And I said, well, well, would you sell that? And he said, sure, you know, $20. And so I walked away with a treasure (laughs) that, you know, it's worth much more than $20 But it's historically important because we're talking about the mid-1700s. We're talking about the the cutwork shows the hearts, it shows flowers, it shows lace. This was supposed to emulate real lace, tatted lace. And then later on in the evolution of the Valentine, we find this done in paper lace embossing. But these were made in convents by nuns for charity. And my speculation is that the name of the saint was put in you know, when it was ordered, when it, when it was bought and they could Mm -hmm. be sold for many different occasions for communion, for marriage, for death, uh, for love. So, you know,
1: it's it's incredible. You you say it was worth more than $20, but you know, if you collect like you do, you obviously develop an eye for these things and and you were buying other things and you said you saw it under the glass top table. And, you know, people are, if if you if you're interested in something it's amazing how your eye gets drawn to it almost everywhere and anywhere and you'll right. see something you're, driving past in the road you'll go oh, got to go into that shop right um, and and when you when you have something like this are you are you ca- scared of of not looking after it carefully enough and you know we 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 know that many old books and and papers deteriorate over yeah. time you have to be careful that you don't expose them and all to of, the wrong all light
2: all of the threats floods oh, yeah. I
0: I am very cautious. And I I use archival materials completely. Um, Most of the time, I put them between layers of uh, archival mylar. And then I put them in another, uh, either a rigid, we would call rigids, which are these hard plastic cases you can slide them into. And then if I go to a show or an exhibition, people could handle them and look at them on both sides. Uh, Or I put them in albums. Uh, mostly stamp collector albums, but there are a lot of albums now since when I started. But it's really important. I feel that if they've lasted as long as they have, if the love has lasted, it's my obligation to preserve it. And some of these things, you really have to put into two layers. Because if you just put it between the pages, even these archival pages, when you there's a magnetic attraction and when you r- remove them, li- pieces can lift up, pieces can yeah. get caught. So you have to be careful. And uh, People, you know, save these things in different ways, sometimes just in boxes with uh, archival paper between them and layers. If you frame things, you can't have them in bright light because uh, some of the colors mm-hmm. will fade. Um, and if you also if you frame them, they have to be framed archivally so that the glass doesn't touch the object also. So there are ways mm-hmm. to enjoy them. I think my house is unusually dark <laughs> because <laughs> we were always trying to put things on interior walls and not in <laughs> bright light. Because I I did have one uh, watercolor that faded. And, uh, you know, once you've had that happen once, you don't want to – you try to avoid it. Um, And with the later ones that we'll show, some of these uh, chromolithographed cardboard pieces, the cardboard is – it's beautiful, but it's very – it dries. It's very friable, very Mm. fragile and breakable. So you have to be careful with all of these things. Just because you bought them in great condition doesn't mean that they're going to stay in good condition on your watch. So you, I'm very would, would, happy that most of my collection has gone to the Huntington where it's all now, been
1: now they can you know, look after it. Now they you know. can look um,
0: after it. Absolutely. But, but you
1: you said this uh, this watercolor that faded and, and right. you know this is probably the only time this word is absolutely appropriate, but that's pretty heartbreaking. And it and is I, it is I can I can also imagine your family have to be quite tolerant and understanding of oh, a I collector. Think- We've spoken to all of our collectors about this. Yeah, they do think, do they think you're crazy?
0: Well, I've got Valentine's (laughs) on so many walls. I say we celebrate Valentine's Day every day. I have a couple of posters that I made and they're up, you know, uh, one's behind me on the wall, one's in the bathroom, you know, every place you go. We were big collectors. My husband was a big collector of Japanese art. So I started by just putting Mm. a few things in the bathroom. And then I gradually took over a lot of the house so <laughs> it's all over the place,
2: Nancy. I'd love to ask you. Yes. Um, when I was in primary school, um, so in yeah, I, I don't know what grade that is school. in America. Grade yeah, school. grade school. Um, that's when sending valentines became a thing, um, and the first valentine I received was um, from a classmate who had knowledge of Asian art. Mm-hmm. And he'd painted the sunset for me and written a poem. And at the age of 12, that was just too much for me. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't accept it all. It was was almost um, at a level of eekness or embarrassingness. Um, And then later on, only now, I'm thinking back and I'm thinking how beautiful that piece of art was that he sent me, and I'm only appreciating it now. 30 years later. He's the he's the one
1: that's got he away,
2: right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is, is he is he the one who got away? <laughs> well, the
0: valentines from primary school from grade school are very a very important part of especially of our Facebook page National Valentine Collectors Association because many of the younger collectors, you know, these pieces they're antique now. It's hard to believe. We I mean, think <laughs> 1920s to 1940s and 50s, you know, we're all getting older, I guess. You know, it used to be like the Huntington collects pre-World War I. So if it's like before 1920 or 1915, they collect it. But many collectors collect those primary school ones, some, excuse me, just from teachers, and they're very popular. And uh, I do collect them also. Um, they're wonderful. Nowadays, you have to give a Valentine to everyone in the class. It used to be so. That's the thing. But no one wanted to be left out. I and wanted heard. to
2: ask you, how, yeah. what is your perception of how things have changed? I mean, I, I was of the era that if I hadn't received at least one Valentine, it would be a time of sorrow. My mom would need to be ready to console <laughs> me. Um, said girl would have received 17 Valentines. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. schools,
0: should it, it not schools, be? I think some schools don't even share them anymore because of that. They don't want feelings to be hurt. And I I really haven't checked up on what the, the latest is around here. But mm-hmm. um in the old old days, you know, like 1850s, women could send valentines uh, anonymously. These these, I mean, all all throughout my my collecting, women could send them anonymously. It was the one time of year, uh, of course, leap year we know about. But this was a time when they could be sent, and many of them were proposals. I have one one where a man tie, cut off the bottom of a valentine and returned it to a woman and said, "I do not desire your love." You know, it was oh, pretty blatant.
2: Wow so it's quite hot uh,
0: but uh, they were they were if sometimes people get a valentine and they say well it was never used because it's not yeah. signed that doesn't mean it was never used but yeah. valentines were sent sometimes with you know puzzles like the uh, the name might be spelled in numbers or backwards or or just you know from your valentine and there are stories about how before there was a uniform Postal system in, in England um, and people had to pay for the same thing happened in America too, but the recipient paid for the, the for the letter, depending upon how heavy and how far it had traveled, so there were many so there were no envelopes because that would have yeah. added to the weight and you see them folded. but many fathers are said to have refused the valentines because their the daughters had received so many, and they were anonymous, and they didn 't know who they were from anyway, so they weren 't accepted. So, uh, uh, I mean, the anonymity was always a big, a big thing. And uh, there are comic valentines, you know, made to the, the spinster and the, the person who never received a valentine. So there was heartaches. But then we have other yeah. images that show every strata of society from the the housemaids to the, you know, fancy, you know, landowners or whatever to the, yeah. all the daughters in the family receiving lace valentines. Uh, so it was pretty um general, every strata of society people wanted to celebrate however they could and, isn't it uh,
2: interesting how isn't it interesting how many filters there were in place then if you take social media into account right. now there right. are some so, there are some filters, but guaranteed an email sent will be an email received right. and and then I mean the letter had traveled from country to country across animals and right. Right into fortresses yes. and so read I'm... by kings before they were passed exactly. on no, no. Oh, you, you've got an uh, email no I took I should have turned my phone off you, you defined, got
1: it. is it a valentine, it's a
2: valentine or... I don't
0: know <laughs> but that's one thing about you know I love e-cards and e-valentines and I send I send e-cards at Christmas because there's so many people and but you know there's no tangible valentine so as much as I like That I mean, having something that you can hold, that tactile quality, what I call the fingerprints of love, they're not in an internet valentine. So I want to encourage people to send something, even if it's just something quickly homemade. I mean, I have the most wonderful valentines made by my grandchildren um, that are just, you know, they're just so wonderful. And And if you want to call them naive or primitive, but they're absolute tokens of love. I and think then,
1: there must be there must be quite a lot of pressure in your family to send the right <laughs> kind of Valentine's card to Grant. So yeah, can, can yeah. I ask you about some of these others? I mean, you, you've spoken to us about the devotional, which is absolutely beautiful, right? But tell us about some of the other ones.
0: Okay, are you going to show me some pictures? Yeah. Or? What's
1: what's the server here? Well, this what one is old. an English
0: one from uh, it's from the postmark is eighteen oh six, which is one of the very earliest post postmarks. There some from a couple of years earlier, but when I bought this, it was the earliest one. It was from the collection of Frank Staff who wrote books about the Penny Post and about Valentines. And it's a sailor who has come home and uh, he's toasting his wife with a glass of wine. And he says, you know, in war I served my king and now I've come home to, to serve you, basically. Wow. And the the decorations around it are all these, you know, spring and mating. And that's what, you know, the mating of the birds and the tulips and the primrose and the nesting bird at the top and the hearts that are entwined. It looks like what we frequently would think of as American folk art, but it happens to be mm-hmm. English, and uh, uh, it was folded and has postmark on the back. And so I've been able to, through the the internet, look up you know who this this Mr. Pitt was and his wife and and uh, married in a local church, and huh. uh, it's very charming and one of my favorite pieces. Um, and very special. That's,
1: that's extraordinary and mm. so beautifully made. And if you think that that's over 200 years old, right. it kind of gives you a lot of perspective. I mean, the people right. who, who were so in love with each other, then you can almost feel a bit of it now, right. uh, even though they've been gone for 200 years.
0: So things like this, I'm, when I buy something like this, I'm competing with collectors of folk art, of uh, uh, costume, because you look at the costumes, you see the way they're dressed. He's wearing a typical sailor uh, outfit, which we will see in, in a lot of the sailors' farewell types of of uh, drawings and and valentines and her her gown and her her hat and the the birds. It's you know very special to me. I Beautiful. personally I like things that are handmade better. I love all of them, but the handmade ones seem to have a special you know. It's have to think oh, about and, the conditions. I, you, I yeah.
1: completely agree with you about receiving an actual letter and right. and. And people who've taken the trouble to make a card or to write something in, in, in ink or in pen or whatever on, on a piece of paper, it always feels much better to me.
0: Right. Well, before there were fancy, you know, papers, which did come about in the late 1700s, uh, I have a I have a a page from a book. Uh, I didn't send you the picture, but it's a fly leaf torn out of a book and it's dated 1684. And it was hmm. just written there about the morrow being the valentine. And uh, it's one of my absolute treasures Given to me by a collector who got it from another collector, and uh, despite its value, which I think is great, he gave it to me as a as, as a gift of love and uh, I treasured wow. that that 's sixteen eighty four and it 's as i said it 's just a piece of the front just you know front page there 's nothing on the on the other side torn out from an early book so sixteen eighty four is my earliest and you could have letters it didn 't have to be. Uh, fancy paper. And often there would be a lock of hair attached. Mm. You know, that's the, the most personal gift.
1: So, so what is this here? this, this, this picture? One this is, of
0: it? is, it's a continental paper cut. It's uh, Europe, uh, about 1710. Uh, it's also paper cut. The red is a piece of paper that I put behind it when we used it as an invitation for uh, uh, a grolier Club event. Um, I love the costumes. You see her headdress And her, her, oh, it's just incredible. He's got his boots and his waistcoat and his tri-corner hat. And they're handing each other these. Does he have a dog?
2: And she has an animal too.
0: Yes. Look, it reminds me of the unicorn tapestries we have here. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes on early memorials, you see angels, like the ones that are on on the sides. So to me, this is just wonderful. And I I did buy that in England at, at an auction. And, and, uh, uh, and what
1: about this? Because this is beautiful. This is absolutely this is, stunning. What this is This is called
0: the theorem. It's a stencil drawing. Uh, this is what we call schoolgirl art, also about uh, 1825. And the watercolor would have been spread on a stencil with this we call gum Arabic to make it shade, to be able to shade <laughs> it. And it's got the roses and, and uh, uh, morning glory bu- buds, it looks like, mm-hmm. and uh, wonderful poetry in the middle. And I've seen... One or two other copies of this, very similar. Maybe the colors are a little different, so it makes me think that maybe it was a design that was in a ladies' book, like a Goatee's Ladies' Book, or some other book which might have, people might have copied, and that was a very popular concept, or it could have just been schoolgirl art, and a teacher offered the the stencil to the students. Who knows?
1: So I mean there are there are a lot of these and I I want to give them all a, a, a oh, the right amount of I said attention. Too
0: dramatic, maybe. No yeah. no no don't no. Want
1: more. rather that than too few, and you have so many to choose from. I'm I'm surprised you managed to actually with the I mean, These as were as these were
0: pictures I had from different projects. And this is Amazing. one it, this is a small one, it's about probably four inches by two and a half, something like that. And it's a product of a woman named Esther Howland. We call her the mother of the American Valentine. She mm-hmm. um She started her business and she graduated from Mount Holyoke Female Seminary in 1847. Um, That was in Massachusetts. Her father was a stationer and he received some Valentines from England from some some clients that he did business with. And when she saw them, she thought, gee, I can do better than that. So she made some samples. This kind of sample has layered lace. It has her little, um, their little, you can see the red, wafers behind which was one of her yeah. her signatures there are little accordion pages which make it rise up in layers and then she has maybe a baxter print in the center of an artist and so the these would have been sent she would make a template and all of the materials would be in, a, be in a box and she first had her well first she had her brother take them on a sales trip he wasn't happy about it but he did and he came back with five thousand dollars worth what? of orders in 1847 Whoa. So she wow. started her business with template, which she would put together, and she would have a coachman take them out to ladies' homes. And when they finished all of their chores, they or their children would assemble valentines. The horse it's, and buggy would come back a week later and collect them, and people and um, women would get a little pin money. So it's like some the of
1: Amazon people, of, of that time,
2: right? My mind is absolutely blown. Right. That romanticism. So is. she was a real then? entrepreneur, yeah.
0: and she was before you know it, she was earning a hundred thousand dollars a year at that time which is incomprehensible Uh, and there were many stories about her but some of these early ones that I think were assembled in in homes look like the children assembled them because they're they don't follow any particular pattern and they look kind of homemade but that was how she started and then she began she was very successful and she made larger ones. The smaller ones are identified. There are marks on the backs of most of them. When she started getting competition, she started labeling them. But then her bigger ones were never signed and uh, collectors and even Hallmark have attributed them to her because of the the materials that were used were only available in in a certain places and how she was able to acquire them. So they were on fine English lace that might've cost $50 so we know that one suitor was rejected because he's uh, the, the woman said she would never accept a man who spent so wasted so much money on a, on a basket. Ah. I think it was an Easter basket. Valentine. <laughs> um, Here's yeah, another
1: one of hers. This and is, this, is this is one of those. One. This
0: is the famous oh, wow. Howland of That's and embroidery, pizza, right? She was so, I mean, this is just one of the layers. This might've been an interior layer of this lace. And then you would open up and, and they were majestic. And the, the image, the, the flowers are like a kind of clay composite that was hand-painted. And so she had the idea, she was importing them from Germany, that they should machine-make them so it would be easier. And so her even the paper ones, her, her girls wouldn't have to cut out. And they rejected the idea. But a few years later, scraps, embossed scraps were available pre-cut. So I think she must have been the inspiration. So she's the, the one, of, one of the... Uh, Icons. The level of,
1: of detail here is just absolutely Mind unbelievable. Right. Wow. Yeah.
0: And you have to, I mean, if you enlarge it and you get closer, you see. But And these were like 8 by 10 in size. And hmm. uh, when you find them, uh, it's like <laughs> you're finding the Holy Grail, you know, for a collector. Wow.
1: And, and this, is, uh, this looks like a, a very old drawing, the kind of Georgian stuff. That yes, the and it's were by, for.
0: by George Cruikshank. And the the big hat, so it was kind of an early satire. And uh, uh, you see her hat, and you can imagine the styles of the day with these balloon sleeves Uh, uh, and big crinolines, uh, making fun. (laughs) And he was very good at that. And Cruikshank did did the satires even in the late seventeen hundreds. So that was one of one of the reasons that the Huntington was so eager to have the collection because they could follow the evolution and uh, if you know of the the English satire that they have from the 18th century, and this is just a continuation.
2: So her, her, her waist yeah. is the same size as her neck. Right. <laughs> and and her sleeves don't even span right. the width and maybe of her hat.
0: To, maybe that's a love letter in her hand, or I don't know. Wow. But I did see a girl just the other day who had a wasp waist like that, and I, I just couldn't believe it. But <laughs> I don't know, not me. <laughs> As well, you get older, you spread a little bit. It's hard.
2: You and me, girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you just have to love it. This is this is an example of the uh, chromolithography that reached a peak around the turn of the century. This is a German-made postcard, and it's a kaleidoscope. And if you look on both edges, I can't post mm-hmm. both sides. Yeah. There's a wheel, and when you turn that wheel, oh, you get a kaleidoscope. with the
2: stencils. And as you turn the stencils, the cogs fit right. in, and they draw a pattern. Yes. Am I right?
0: Yes. And yeah. so there, and there were other postcards and other valentines made like this. I have one that has a, a, a geisha on a, <laughs> a Japanese geisha on a Valentine, and her her, I think it's her dress that changes color. And then I have I them also like, for other wa, holidays. Wa. Right, right. Uh, it was just another postcards are a really important aspect of the collecting because several reasons. They're, they're really very pretty. Um, there's a lot of history involved. It was a huge collecting um, passion. People would send cards back and forth to each other. You know, we had a postal system. People would send holiday cards, but it wouldn't have a holiday message. It was just maybe something they were sending. Uh, but also, collectors nowadays are finding that you can buy them very reasonably priced. You can find an artist-signed Valentine postcard by someone like, like uh, uh, Ellen Clapsaddle, um, for, you know, 2 to $10, maybe even less. Uh, so they are around. And a lot of the young collectors who, they really love the subject. They're not familiar with the history, for one thing, which I'm trying to spread on our Facebook page yeah. and by articles I write. But they don't, they can't afford expensive things. Some of these today, we're talking, you know, $100, 200 And, mm. you know, as you get, you can get much more expensive when you get into the rarefied ones. But, uh I, I'm enjoying having the young collectors on our site. And we have a sister site, which is, is our marketplace. People are selling things for $2 and $7 and Amazing. $10. So there, you can put together a collection. And then as you get more um, more knowledge or more passion, you can get better ones. Or you may decide, I don't like Valentine's at all. I'm yeah. going to collect something else. And, Sell uh, and so I encourage people to, to try that, you know.
1: You know, I'm going to yeah. quickly go through a couple of these. I do want to stop at the Superman one, though. Um, but I just want to show people some of these ones. And, and this is feel free post- to
0: this drop a in postcard. a little bit of info here. Yeah, this is a postcard from 1910. Uh, it's a schmucker postcard. Um, and I love her. Um, <laughs> she's eating hearts. And, you know, chocolates are a very popular gift. Um, and now, of course, any heart-shaped thing for Valentine's Day. But chocolate's supposed to be an aphrodisiac. So, um uh, you hope to receive some chocolate bonbons. <laughs> We've just discovered a collector on our Facebook page who only collects heart-shaped tins <laughs> and has thousands of them. I couldn't believe it. I don't think you can ever erase the scent of chocolate from a tin. So that must be quite a perfumed place. This is another one. And uh, this one, I mentioned Ellen Clapsaddle. This is one of hers, The Dreamer. And so, and you have you'll have a brother and sister version. Uh, I think they're just charming. And so you have people who collect children, who collect dogs. We have lots of people who collect cats and dogs. Valentines mm-hmm. with kittens are very, very popular. <laughs> so, usually that's amazing. Wild.
1: What what is, is going here? on here?
0: This is the interior of one of those Howland Valentines, the one I showed you oh. on layers. This yeah. is called a cobweb, and usually it's called a cobweb a flower cage or a beehive. They're the only names I know. When it's closed, it's, it's flat. And if you look carefully, you can see concentric circles, which are either mm. hand cut or machine cut. When you lift the cobweb by an invisible, almost invisible thread, little silk thread, you'll find something inside. Here we have what? a couple, he's playing the guitar, which is also an amorous symbol um, on the couch. But sometimes you'll have a lock of hair or a cupid or something small. It's usually on the front. So this is attached to the back page. And it's very unusual because if you opened it too fast, you could tear it. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to, wow. to show this. Wow. Cobwebs. Yes. And, and Superman. I mean, this, yeah. Well, I've got... Superwoman, I couldn't locate a picture of Superwoman either, but believe me, I do have her, and she's beautiful. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> I don't want anyone to think <laughs> I'm telling favorites. But yeah. this shows you that Valentine's were made to go along with every popular movie. Or, um, I mean, we have Superwoman. We have, I just can't think of it, Alice in Wonderland, whole mm. series, Pinocchio, uh, and uh, uh, the, you know, the Seven Dwarfs and then mm. you want to collect all of them and so these all came out at that time uh, say 19 late 1930s 38 39 40 and they usually have copyright marks on the back we have mickey mouse i mean wow. and then there are some that accompanied um personalities like like you like radio shows and, mm. <laughs> and we we have them on valentines <laughs> too so beware
1: Nancy, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just so pleased that you gave us yeah, a little peek, wow. peek into your world. It's, Mind uh, blown. It's, it,
0: I'm it glad you enjoyed it.
1: And it's such a beautiful thing to be able to share on Valentine's Day. And, and I appreciate very much your time. I know that you're, you're in New Jersey and it's, it's uh, early in the morning over there for you now. And I really appreciate you showing off your, your incredible collection. And I'm thrilled so that, that the Huntington Library is, is looking after so much of this for posterity. Um, uh, what are you going to do with, with the stuff that you, haven't given to the library. Are you going to hand it, <laughs> well, hand it to the kids? Are you, uh, is well, there someone who wants it?
0: Well, I'm working. No, I'm working on a group that is another group that's going to go to the Huntington. I was just out there last week, as a matter of fact, because there was mm-hmm. a book there at the same time. So I had an opportunity to look at all the, the the shelves and the drawers. And I couldn't believe that some of those things really had been mine because, uh, you know, they're not here anymore. Um, I'm going to send them some more. I'm trying to put together a little collection for my children they love them, but um, I think they just want maybe one piece to hang on the wall and yeah. no one has the room to store a collection or house it. <laughs> and uh, I probably will sell some, but it's very hard. I'm a collector, not a dealer. And so yeah. uh, selling, I mean, I'd rather just, I have some of my old collectors from before we had the Facebook, uh, we had a regular organization with newsletters I did it four times a year and some of those older collectors uh, maybe they don't even have the internet and I'll just put together some packages for them and okay. share the love spread it That is. That, sometimes that is... people buy old ones to give now to regift yeah. the love
1: well I mean <laughs> One thing that comes through loud and clear about you is the love. And thank you very much Enjoy. for sharing your collection with us. Thank you so Nancy much. Nancy Rosen mm. and uh, her you. incredible Valentine collections. You're so the val- this, this Valentine's Day, the South African Gold Coin Exchange and the Coin Shop invite you to celebrate consistency. I mean, during times like these where everything's uncertain, who can you count on to have your back? Well... Your greatest cheerleader may be gold. It has a 6,000-year track record as a safe store of value, so that's pretty consistent. Head over to their website. It is at scoinshop.com and enter to stand the chance of winning a dinner worth 2,000 rand for you and your loved one. And consider very carefully, carefully and seriously giving a really beautiful Valentine's card making it yourself. I mean, this is what people Aww. used to do. Beautiful. Happy oh, Valentine's that's... Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you, Day.
0: Nancy. Thank <laughs> you. Take care.
1: wow that was <laughs> terrific thank you C